Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. to another episode of the Cellcast. The animated series. Thank you. I'm sorry. The animated series. <laughs> Joining me today is a man apparently with a faulty memory. No, I'm not going to say that. Ow! <laughs> he I has ADHD. Be nice. I know, I know. When does that happen? Obviously, you forgot. Apparently. <laughs> anyway. I did get a concussion today, so I was just saying. A slight oh. concussion. Oh, the concussion <laughs> excuse, the likely start. Okay. <laughs> Joining me today is a man who does not want his bones uh, drank. Welcome, Jacob. Ah, no. No, thanks. Mm-mm. Mm. Little, little cute little creature, but no. Stay away from me, devil. Stay away from me. <laughs> Why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who, oh boy, this is going to be a fun season. Welcome, Drew. Oh, I am looking forward to this season because I actually got a glimpse at the some of the episode names and uh, let's say our favorite office assistant is coming back. Oh boy. You know who I mean. I think I know. Uh, also joining us on this episode is the curator of the Monster on Film Vault and his first trip through the lower decks here on the show. <laughs> Welcome, uh, Nate. Hello, hello. This is going to be interesting, but I always try to take opportunities to talk about one of the other things I love dearly besides Kaiju, Star Trek, because Star Trek yes. was my first fandom. Same here. Hmm. My first. And somehow I doubt it, Jimmy. <laughs> yes, Jimmy is here too. Yes. Uh, you uh, sound disappointed. <laughs> no, I'm not disappointed. It's just I know he's a bigger Star Wars fan than a Star Trek fan. Well, uh, for reasons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, you haven't watched, outside of the crossover episode with Strange New Worlds, you've not watched any yeah. Lower Decks before this. Not full episodes. I've seen some clips online and things like that. And I will admit, as for one thing, there's just been way too much Star Trek getting made the last few years. We went from nothing other than some movies here and there and any of the you know comics and novels and things that they were doing. You know, but not everybody keeps up with those, too. There's just, just way too much. <laughs> you know that right. we have like four star trek shows on at the same time like slow down paramount Jeez, some of us have lives <laughs> and not enough money 
to pay for all of this crap. Anyway, so I've so I've not partaken of lower decks, like you said, other than that crossover, because I've been keeping up with Strange New Worlds. And it's been largely because I I honestly thought I would I would hate the show because I don't like Rick and Morty. And it's the same guys who did Rick and Morty. Yeah. Rick and Morty has never fair, appealed that, that to is, me. That's very fair because that was actually my worry when the show got announced. And mm-hmm. I, the only reason I jumped straight into it is because A, I already had Paramount Plus, so it wasn't a big deal for me to watch it. And we kind of had already talked about reviewing it on the show. So right. I was I just like, t- oh, if I hate this, at least I have a good reason to hate it. Mm-hmm. I will tell you my expectation going into this and I don't think it was 100% assuaged because this is season four. So I could be, you know, I be, could be coming in on one of the better episodes because they've had several seasons to refine things. My concern has been, because I've heard you and other people talk about, it's like, oh, the people who made this are clearly Star Trek fans. I was like, yeah, but throwing a bunch of references in, to, including some deep cuts to prove that you've seen a lot of Star Trek and you know a lot of things. Just because you know about it doesn't mean you necessarily understand it. You can love it, but yeah. not necessarily understand it. And that has been my key concern because I, I am going to be much less impressed with having a bunch of deep cut references that, yeah, someone like me is going to get compared to actually understanding the thing. Uh, do you right. understand Star Trek? I, I need to know that you understand our Star Trek. I don't care if you've seen all 800 or whatever i think it's eight 900 episodes from every show five At times last now. count i heard was 850 yeah i don't care if you've seen all of those five times right now and you can rattle them off by memory i need to know you understand what star trek is so i'm gonna go ahead and tell you what my still even though the crossover kind of kind of messed with this a little but my fan theory as to how this works is that this is not technically what happens in canon but this is like a hollow novel based on their uh, uh, officer's logs. That's right. That this is kind of it. That's why it's so crazy. So basically the finale of enterprise kind of except better. I would be a little bit more willing because to go with that. Like that's pathos of characters. Yeah. Cause that's the other thing is that this, if this was just a non-canon parody of star Trek, I would, yeah, I would be able to accept it more easily, but this is supposed to be canon. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. Because the Strange so, New Worlds kind of wrecks my theory a little bit, that crossover yeah. does, because they're acting like that in what's supposed to be the real world. So Yeah, well, what's funny is the... The, the writers of Strange New Worlds are, uh, I'm guessing, probably the some of the lower decks people are probably helping them out with this obviously they mm-hmm. clearly uh, are aware enough to know yeah. that their sh- that lower decks is so different compared to the rest of star trek that the, the strange new world's characters like what's wrong with these people well <laughs> I, I do know that uh mike mckay and the showrunner for lower decks did help with the strange new world's crossover to help keep the the dialogue as accurate to lower decks when it needed to be. So, mm-hmm. and I give them credit. The voice yeah. actors actually played their characters in live action. Right. So anyway, I just wanted to get that base down there mm-hmm. so that we yeah. were all on the same page before we go into two of the more crazy episodes. I yeah. think on this one so far, uh, the first one we're reviewing tonight is two Vicks 
spelled T W O V I X. That's which, a reference. Yeah. Which first aired September 7th, 2023 directed by Barry J Kelly and Jason Zurich and written by Mike McKayan. This is the Voyager uh, centric episode, much like the deep space nine centric episode we got last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this episode, the Cerritos ensigns must assist a caretaker on the voyage of a historically significant starship. I really thought we were going to literally have the caretaker aliens when I read that. Yeah. Because I figured, because I knew from the titles, like, this is going to be a Voyager episode, isn't it? Oh, yes. It's painfully a Voyager episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, since this is the first episode of season four, I do want to go ahead and go through all of the cast this time. Tawny Newsom is playing Beckett Mariner. Mm-hmm. Jack Quaid is Brad Boimler. Noel Wells is Devon Attendi. Eugene Cordero as Sam Rutherford. Don Lewis is Carol Freeman. Jerry O'Connell is Jack Ransom. Fred Tadasior as Shax. And Gillian Vigman as Anna. Also in this episode, we had John Curry reprising his role as Ma'a, the Klingon captain from the right. Wedge Dudge episode. That's right. Uh, Nolan North is playing Lars Lundy, the bartender. Oh, okay. In this, uh, Andy Richter is playing Beljo Tweakle, the caretaker. Okay. Gabriel Ruiz is coming, has come back for uh, to play Talyn since uh, she's apparently now going to be a major cast member, a, 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 a cast right. member on the show. Yeah. Paul Shear playing Andy Billups, of course. Carl Tart as Kayshawn. Paul F. Tomplin, Tompkins as Miglimo, and Kari Walgreen as Kalor. The uh, I believe she was one the other one of the uh, the female Klingon yeah. at the very end. Mm-hmm. Getting into the trivia for this, yes, this is a Star Trek Voyager episode. For those who don't know about Star Trek Voyager, much like my co-host here, I very know very little of it. Uh, Voyager is a show about the Starship Voyager that gets lost in the Delta Quadrant mm-hmm. as it was chasing a Maquis ship through the Badlands named the Valjean. The Maquis were a Federation terrorist group. Hmm. Yeah, the Federation had a terrorist group in Deep Space Nine. Ain't that fun? Yeah. Uh, it gets hurled into the Delta Quadrant of the galaxy by being known as the caretaker who died before he could send them back. Mm-hmm. And Voyager had to travel 70,000 light years to get back home. Along the way, the Voyager and Maki crew have to learn to work together. Uh, they also meet a couple of aliens that they bring along with them, namely Neelix, a Talaxian, and Kess, an Ocompan. Plus, of course, since this is the Delta Quadrant, they do run into the Borg and they meet up with, and they bring aboard a rescued borg drone that used to be human named seven of nine mm-hmm. uh spoiler alert of course the show does make it back the voyager does eventually make it back mm-hmm. home crippling the borg in the process yeah supposedly well Allegedly. i mean the way it looked at picard into picard season three yeah but picard season two that's a different weird. borg that's the so borg cooperative it is so weird i don't moving understand. on yeah <laughs> The title of this episode actually comes from the title of a Voyager episode, Tuvix, which I'll get into more mm-hmm. here in a minute. Voyager has been turned into museum ship in this episode. Sometime after, it will be included in the Fleet Museum seen in Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 6, The Bounty. Boimler is worried about the upcoming promotions as he's afraid it'll be a repeat of his past promotion in the, in the Season 1, Episode 10, 
No Small Parts, mm -hmm. which he was also on the Titan after that point on season two, episode one, Strange Energies, and episode two, Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. And uh, he was not exactly happy on that ship, and Mariner did not forgive him for at least a couple episodes No, for leaving. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. I was, hey, was going to say, I have opinions about Mariner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talyn fully joins the cast after her appearance in season two, episode nine, Wage Dudge, and season three, episode 10, The Stars at Night. Ma'a, the Klingon protagonist from Wedge Dudge, meets his end, unfortunately, at the end of this episode mm -hmm. to, uh, to the, the mysterious probe that's obviously going to be this season's big bad. Uh, you can see the Celestial Koala now in the clouds of the Star Trek franchise title card for, for uh, Lower Decks. Yeah. That's a fun thing. Do you know what I'm talking about there with the Celestial Koala, Nathan? No. Sad. Because it was actually in the Lower Decks. Uh, it was actually in the crossover opening sequence, too. Mm. And the villain from Star Trek Four. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm getting wait, to that. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. They've established who sent this show established who sent the dang Tootsie Roll from outer space. No, no, no it didn't. No, it didn't. No, 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 no. It's in the opening credits. I'll, I'll get to that well, next. Okay, that was I, actually I, I my next thing. Okay. The opening credits battle that changes every season to get more and more complicated. Yes has added two more things, including a Klingon bird of prey chasing another ship through the scene, and the silver burrito whale probe from Star Trek IV is there, among, of course, the Packlet ships, the Borg cube, Romulan warbird, and Crystalline entity. Mm -hmm. Now, those I already, all those I recognize. Yeah, but yeah, the, the, the whale probe was there, too, <laughs> with, yeah. its, with, with its sound effects. Yep. I saw that. I was like, "What? That was the new one." Those, like, oh yeah, that thing's that thing's sound effect. Yeah, ha haunted my dreams as a child. But yeah, that's the thing with the opening credits for each season of the show is that particular shot. All the other ones are the same every time, but that shot gets crazier and crazier every season. <laughs> uh, Bello Tweakle is a uh, the caretaker of Voyager, and this is a Rigelian. Uh, he was brought. Uh, the Voyager was brought to the Delta Quadrant by being known as the caretaker, as I mentioned before, who was watching over species called the Ocampa from his array, which just kind of looked a little bit like the uh, caretaker array, but not quite. Uh, the Brill cheese from the episode Voyager episode learning curve yep. is here. The yep. cheese was created by Neelix in response to Ensign Ashmore's request for a to make macaroni and cheese. The bacteria cultures, however, he used in to make the cheese accidentally infected the ship's bioneural gel packs causing malfunctions across the ship which caused chief engineer Bolana torres to say one of the most surreal but memorable lines of star trek get the cheese to sick bay <laughs> <laughs> the macrovirus returns after surviving eight years behind a panel after its first appearance in the episode macrocosm and it was last seen in the voyager episode shattered Mm -hmm. Mariner mentions that Pike thing we aren't supposed to talk about, the referring crossover. to their adventures in the Strange New Worlds episode, Those yes. Old Scientists, yeah. which took place between season three, episode six, Here All Trust Nothing, which was the DS9 episode, and episode nine, Trusted Sources, which began the season finale. There are animatronic transwarp salamanders seen aboard the ship. Oh. one of the weirdest episodes of voyager where tom paris and captain janeway somehow made it past warp 10 
which for some reason turned them into these weird salamander creatures. Okay. I've heard of this. Whoever wrote that needs to uh, needs to rewrite it to be one of the worst episodes of Star Trek ever. <laughs> I don't know. Spock's brain, I think, is still worse. <laughs> I, it's at least the worst episode of Voyager, and right, it's in the it top ten worst but, episodes uh, of the franchise, at least before the new stuff. But the episodes that episode's name was Threshold. Threshold, yeah. That that is an infamous episode in the Star Trek fandom. Like, yes, it's like at least Spock's brain is so bad it's good. Threshold is just it's just a, weird. It's just a pile of what the henchin. It's yeah. just what the furbus. It's just. <laughs> Also, we get a hologram of Dr. Chaotica, a holographic yep. villainous character based off Ming the Merciless from Flash yep. Gordon. Oh, that makes sense. He is Tom a holodeck Paris program. A of, he's from it. a holodeck program of Tom Paris's called The Adventures of Captain Proton. And he appeared in the episodes Night, Shattered, and of course, Bride of Chaotica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it, it was it, it was an homage to Flash Gordon. Yes, yeah. I actually like those episodes. I thought those are fun episodes. Yeah. Michael Sullivan from the holodeck program Paris zero four two yeah. scene. Paris zero four two was an authentic recreation of an Irish settlement called Fairhaven. Mm -hmm. Michael Sullivan was the owner of a pub in that program. Who I am not kidding here. Captain Janeway fell in love with to the point where she. Made, in order so she could continue the relationship deleted his wife i've heard of this too janeway course, does a lot of very questionable things yeah yes. so I keep uh he, they're getting i haven't seen voyager he I've was heard of voyager yeah. he is seen in the episodes fair haven and spirit folk mm-hmm the clown from the episode yep. The Thaw is also here. He was the holographic manifestation of fear of five individuals who were linked together in a neural network to keep their brains active while in stasis for 15 years till they could be rescued he on the was, coal settlement, a planet Voyager kind of found back in season two. And since this was a hologram on a planet and not a Voyager, he really shouldn't actually be here, which Mariner actually brings up. <laughs> but he's a very memorable villain. He is, but it's kind of he's weird that he's memorable. here. Yeah. Uh, one of the macro viruses has Harry Klum's clarinet stuck in it. Okay, I, I was wondering, like, what clarinet is this? Yeah, that what was instruments. That was Ensign Harry Kim's. Uh, being too vixed in this episode refers to the transporter malfunction first seen in the Voyager episode, Tuvix, where Tuvok and Neelix get merged into one being named Tuvix, <sighs> due to a transporter malfunction involving a Delta Quadrant Orchid that Tuvok was beaming up with. In this episode, the following people get Tuvixed. Ta'ana and Billups becoming Tillups. Captain Freeman and Counselor Miglimo becoming Frigleyman. Shax and Barnes becoming Shabarns. Bartender Hannes and Chief Lundy becoming Chondus. Steve Stevens and Matt the Whale becoming Shwale Shwalens. Yes, because beluga whales are actually crew members on the ship now because they actually had the guts to show cetacean ops, which has been in like uh, technical manuals for years on Star Trek, but they never could show it. <laughs> and lastly, uh, at the end of the episode, Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Talen get promoted to Lieutenant Junior Grade. Uh, this is interesting in the Voyager episode because in all seven years on Voyager, Harry Kim never got promoted away from Ensign. That's because 
that show secretly hated Harry Kim. Yes. Poor Harry Kim. Uh, what else? Nate, what's your thoughts on this episode? Have, coming into this blind, basically. Oh, uh, okay. I, again, I give them credit. They, they, they know a lot of things about Star Trek. I will say this, and here's the surprising part. I ended up liking these two episodes more than I thought. I really thought I was going to hate this show. Mm-hmm. I even told you guys when I was watching the crossover, I said, okay, Boimler grew on me, took a little bit. Boimler grew on me because you see the other characters, but it's mostly Boimler and Mariner. And I, and I yeah. said, like, I can't stand Mariner. <laughs> and to a certain extent, Mariner's I got still too, a little can't. too much Annie in her. Yeah. And to a certain extent, I still can't really stand Mariner, but I will say I appreciate how in the second episode she got dressed down pretty yeah. hard. Yeah. So I, I like that. And I will admit they actually humanize her in this. She actually cares about her friends. And she's like, yeah, I put you mm-hmm. up. I actually Thank recommended you. you for promotion and things like that. So like, I okay. will say she has been doing that from the beginning, but she has a bad tendency to haze a lot. Yeah. A so I ended up not, I ended up not hating Mariner in this. And I thought I was going to hate Mariner. She's still far from being anywhere close to a favorite Star Trek character for me. She's and not yeah, mine, she's got a little bit of Annie in her, but weirdly enough, she's not as insufferable as Annie. I, I, I will say this. She can she's, be in some scenes. She's some a episodes. lot better character than Michael Burnham. That's saying a lot. Yeah. That is saying a lot. So I will, so I will, so that's kind of my initial thing. The other characters I need, I, I hadn't spent as much time with. I was surprised how well written the Vulcan was. They actually found a way mm-hmm. to write a Vulcan properly and make her funny. Yeah. Talyn so, uh, has only appeared in two other episodes before yeah. this as obviously a character they were bringing in. In fact, her second appearance was her finally getting to the Cerritos. And the other time she was on a Vulcan ship and she was transferred because she was too emotional. upbeat and emotional. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's she was trying funny. to do too many illogical things, which is funny. Yeah. And I, I, I will admit the other characters, I eventually grew, uh, they eventually grew on me. They didn't really grade on me, but it, you, I do have to get used to the fact that this is supposed to be an over the top comedy that's set mm-hmm. in the Star Trek universe. Cause there mm-hmm. were points where I'm like, how did these people get out of the Academy? How did these people get into the Academy? Yeah. <laughs> and which that's, is funny because the inst- I have to approach this as we're seeing a hollow novel. Right. Well, but the, thing, the events. but the interesting thing is, is that the initial idea for this show, something like it has been bandied about for a long time. You know, a, a show focused on the lower, on the, you know, the mm-hmm. lower ranked. Yeah. Officers. There's even an episode you know, of in, on a starship. That idea. Huh? There's even an episode of TNG that does. Yeah, that. that's where the initial inspiration came from. And it was actually called Lower Decks. Yeah. And, you know, obviously that was TNG. And it was, I remember being a lighter, more humorous episode, but mm-hmm. it wasn't this nutty. And I, so I had to, I learned to appreciate the characters. They felt more authentic than I was expecting them to be. I was expecting it was just going to be a lot of really dumb jokes and, you know, borderline nihilistic or something like that. Cause that's how, Rick and Morty is. Yeah. And it ended up not being that way at all. These characters, I could tell genuinely cared about each other. And so I took their, I took their relationship seriously, even though they're clearly 
exaggerate. I mean, like the the captain was it Ransom, right? No, that's Freeman. Freeman. That's Freeman. No, I'm talking about um the first officer then. That's yeah, Freeman. that's yeah. Ransom. He is about as close to being. Oh, what is his He's name? He's Hyper Riker. No, yeah. not not Riker. The 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 guy from Futurama. Uh, I know who you're talking. Zat Brannigan. About. He's Brannigan, about as yeah. cl- he's almost Zat Brannigan. Like he is as close to being Zat Brannigan before going full tilt parody because Zat Brannigan is a parody. Yeah, he's perilously close to that, but thankfully you don't quite cross the line. So I give them credit, but I could be. This is the start of season four. They might, as far as I know, they've had three seasons to refine this, and I might try going back to watch season one and hate the show. So. <laughs> Season one, I will say this about season one is they got out as much jokes as they thought they could get out of this. They were not really thinking of a story going forward, and they have had to fix some stuff after that to make it still be continuous. Uh, Because, I mean, the only real big thing, and you probably didn't catch this, is that uh, Mariner is actually Freeman's daughter. And that's no, I didn't a, catch that. That was a secret throughout most of the first season. Yeah. That only a couple people in the audience knew. And that was how, kind of how that whole season one went down. And then they had to figure out how to keep the show going because it was popular enough. They uh-huh. it kept going. Right. So it it's really not until like halfway through season two, I feel the show really gets going real good. Which, but there's still a lot of good stuff in season one because it's like, oh, now we're going to have our episode on our TOS episode on the planet where, you know, we've, caused so many issues and we've got uh, and uh 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 we're being attacked by spears despite the fact we're in a future futuristic civilization oh we have the gotta have the episode where we make fun of every single star trek movie and they do Mm. uh and they do actually do that twice and i think the first one was better but uh it's i don't know to me i've been enjoying the show just because i've had to learn not to take this one seriously and just have fun with it right well, like I said, th- they know to take the at least the character relationship seriously. Yeah, because I'm not going to because if you're just if it's just zany and the, nothing really matters. I mean, even the Matt Groening and the guys who worked who started The Simpsons and now are, they've revived mm-hmm. Futurama again. They know well enough to know that they as zany as they're going to be. They have to take the character relation seriously yeah. or else people are not going to be invested. So I give them credit there. The thing that was probably most interesting for me as a fan in this, other than the fact it obviously it's a massive Voyager tribute. Yes, this is, was the Voyager tribute episode. Yeah, is the fact that they really zeroed in on that one particular episode that has become weirdly controversial. Like this is a, a point yeah. of contention, but that I see people debate about yeah. in Star Trek fandom, which it, which is the whole Janeway killed Tuvix thing because he said I don't want to be separated. But so, that is kind of a Kobayashi Maru scenario. You were wrong no matter which option you chose. Right. You either. Right kill two people to let this one person live or kill the one person to let the two people live. Right. Right. I mean, I don't have a, it's, it's not a clear cut episode anyway. No, Why which I think, which, it? which was by design. And yeah. even though I don't feel like the writing in Voyager was up to snuff, especially against DS nine, because DS nine yeah. and it were on at the same time. It was, it wasn't close to DS nine. <sighs> And it, Voyager I never felt like Voyager a lot more lighthearted 
throughout most of its Dep- run. And it was, well, compared it, to it, DS9, it ended up feeling yeah. shallower for the most part. Yeah, compared to DS9 for sure, but it it never fully lived up to its potential for me personally. Yeah. And I have some issues with Janeway as a captain, which gets me into arguments with a friend of mine who just loves Janeway, and I'm like, Janeway's got some serious problems, man. But <laughs> regardless. They were so they really zero in on that, and that and it was interesting. They played it for laughs because they're like, yeah. "Oh, Janeway solved this problem because we got people getting two Vicks now." Well, Janeway solved this problem. How how did she do it? And then they find out that she, she murdered the guy. Killed, yeah, she quote unquote murdered him, and they're like, "We can't do that." And then I will admit the resolution when they do the the ridiculous thing at the end where they just combine all of them into one big meatball as they put it yeah. they're just like oh it's not sentient so i don't have any moral quandaries with this I'm like okay that's a little bit of a scapegoat there yeah but it is yeah that's a little bit of an easy out but okay whatever you have to build up to the joke the cat doctor i think they go a little far with the swearing with i was like i get it you're trying to do the you're trying to do the dr mccoy thing but even farther and i think like mm-hmm. guys you're going a little excessive with this but i have issues with strong profanity in star trek yeah and that's just something that's gotten worse and worse over the yeah, years yeah it's it's a little it's a little too much that's probably out of all of the rick and morty isms that are in the show that's probably the one that annoyed me the most because and i normally think that you know censored profanity is funny but i i don't i i'm just reticent to it being in star trek unless it's a time travel episode to present day and then right it's, then you can actually, it would actually make sense there. And in the case of Star Trek Four, they used it for humor. Because <laughs> exactly. you know, they, because they don't know how to use it properly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like I said, I ended up enjoying it more than I thought it would. I I liked all of the Voyager references. I was catching most of them, and uh, it was interesting to see what has become of the Voyager now. I forgot that. Lower Decks is set before Picard season three and Voyager is in the fleet museum. Yeah. So you know, yeah, so- uh, the time way this timetable works out is this is actually three years after nemesis. Okay. Just so you're aware. Okay. Which makes sense because they're still talking about Romulus. Like it still exists. I'm like, I thought it got blown up. <laughs> yeah. Romulus still exists and uh, they're actually doing a lot better job of setting up. Uh, AIs are evil. They're doing a lot better job of setting that up than Picard did <laughs> because there's a plenty of evil AIs in the show, mm-hmm. including, like I said earlier, our favorite office assistant. Gosh. He, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, agreed. Apparently, I'm a little unaware of that. And there like, is a character in season one called Badgie that. Oh, uh, I know about Badgie. Badgie. Yeah, that's who I'm referring yeah, to as our badgie. favorite office assistant because yeah, I kind of think about of him badgie. As evil now, now, the interesting thing I will say in this one that I, given that it's a comedy, it would make sense, and I ended up appreciating was how them getting promoted actually causes character conflict. Yeah, yeah. Because well, they're is like, not well, the we're not lower decks anymore. Even, this is not the first time Mariner's actually been promoted because once she was promoted to try and get her off the ship because they knew she liked being in lower decks which was weird yeah and then like i said earlier no, uh it makes sense for boimler has been was promoted to the titan on Riker's ship for right three episodes right no it makes sense for mariner i figured out very quickly mariner just wants to stay in incense so she can be lazy 
She wants to be in Starfleet, but uh, she wants to be lazy. It's more complicated than that. Oh. You just can't really tell it in this episode. Uh, if you go in all the way back from the beginning, you can tell she's kind of a true believer, but she's been kind of jaded by the, the politics in Starfleet, uh, mm. especially after the Dominion War. So she's okay. kind of rebelling. Oh, okay. Because her mother is the captain of the Cerritos and her father is an admiral. Yeah. Mm. So... But also, it's more really like sometimes she's more like, "Oh, I love Starfleet," and it's, "Oh, I hate Starfleet." She doesn't oh, hate Starfleet. She just rebels and bees angsty every once in a while. Right. Right. Okay. Well, then if you're talking there's... about the time where she left Starfleet, that was literally like like Ahsoka at the end of. Well, you haven't seen that. Never mind. Well, okay. I, I know what happens in the episode. That episode. It's, anyway, it's more like she it, felt betrayed and it's yeah. like, right. Forget anyway. All these Anyway, yeah. I did appreciate that it's not she's not the one fixing the problem. She's you know she encourages Boimler, and Boimler is the one yeah, who I figures out how to fix thing, how to fix the problem. Because I, at first in the crossover, I wasn't sure what to think of Boimler. I thought Boimler was honestly not so much annoying like Mariner, but I'm just like I don't really necessarily like him because he's just kind of a cowardly nerd but that's the whole point is he's learning how not to be that yeah and he gets rewarded for that here and the other characters get promoted which then they're like how are we going to see each other and then that actually mm -hmm. creates some nice character conflict and interaction but we'll talk about that especially more in, in the, the next episode, episode. Yeah. yeah so you know and then they actually use that to create a, a funny situation with mariner and the first officer in the next episode but yeah you know we'll get it, to that here in a minute yeah but like i said overall you know, as a first full episode of lower decks like i said liked it more than i was expecting and the the references even though they did come fast and furious they were not overwhelming and i feel yeah. like i have been talking a lot <laughs> it is jacob's turn to talk because he's the non-trekkie in this group <laughs> who i have forced to watch the show and yes. got him to enjoy it it's against my will it's against my will yeah no one else is going to get that but it's not that. but it isn't a method of torture like the north korean titanic movie yes that's kidding. true so jacob what are your uh, thoughts on this episode i enjoyed it. i was pleasantly surprised with this episode because there'd be like it's a voyager episode it's got so many references that went straight over my head I was like, oh, okay. I, I know I'm, it's going to get explained because this is Drew. <laughs> I do spend, I did spend more time on these notes than I did on the X does. <laughs> and then I'd be like, I knew that Nate was a Star Trek, Star Trek fan. I was like, okay, so we're going to get more of that. Okay. So I watched it. I'm like, oh, okay. Cause I keep thinking, okay, Mariner, what are you going to do now? I'd be like, how are you going to make this? How are you going to make this scene worse? But she doesn't. I was pleasantly surprised. And the, the fact be like it wasn't Mariner like self-destruct be like you know being self-destructive in some capacity. That's the next episode. Um, but it was more of like she's trying to help Boimler in a way. And I was like, wow, okay, this is different. And then you get uh like Boimler be like obviously be like he's met he's you know kind of goofed up and he's trying to make uh rep almost repentance in a way of trying to you know, correct the mistake. And it's, it's a really good Boimler episode. And I really enjoyed it. And I was like, there again, I have never been the huge fan of Boimler, of not Boimler, but Mariner. Um, 
but be like, she's starting to grow on me a little bit, but I, I enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun there again. There was a lot of the references and went straight over my head. And then you get this mysterious probe character. Who's what, you know, wipe, yeah. wiping we out. Still don't you know, know what's going on with that thing. Yeah. Me either. I, we won't, I have a feeling we won't know for a while what's right. going on with that thing. I do have to say, I do have to say the, the caricatures of both the Klingons at the end of this and the Romulans at the beginning of the next episode yeah. did make yeah. me laugh because I'm like, okay, you really got it down. <laughs> I, I I am sad that the Klingon from from that episode from before mm-hmm. th- th- he bites it in this one when they blow up his ship because mm-hmm. I really liked that character in that episode. <laughs> I thought agree. it was I thought it was funny that the the the, the two Klingons have a debate over whether or not a spear is dishonorable. Right. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, okay, that actually does sound like a conversation some Klingons would have. But also, why do you think it's dishonorable? How is your logic is any worse than a disruptor? Or a cloaking device, which is always the thing that's weirded weirded me out about a Klingon ships is they have cloaking devices because I think well, that would be dishonorable. Well, the, the funny thing is, is that if you look at the Klingons and the Romulans in TOS compared to every other show after that, they, yeah, it's like they flip flopped because yeah. the Romulans were supposed to be honorable and the Klingons were supposed to be using subterfuge and yeah, you know, and then. Right. And once you get past TOS, suddenly they flip flop it. And then the Romulans are the dishonorable ones who use subterfuge and any means necessary. No, no underhanded, no deed is too underhanded. And the Klingons are all about honor. Well, it's weird because like before TNG, the Romulans were basically the Russians and the Klingons were the Chinese. And then they switched. Mm hmm. Which is why because yeah, the, the Klingons, Klingons were modeled like heavily, uh, where the Klingons were he- oh, in, in TOS were he- modeled heavily after Mongol hordes. Yes, mm-hmm. and they still have the Mongolian mustaches and after that yeah. point, yeah. But but then anyway. they started making them more like Vikings, and then they tried making them more like samurai. And I prefer my Klingons to be more like samurai personally. But true. Cool. But anyway, did, did you get everything out you needed, yes, Jacob? I did. Sorry. The two no, Star right. Trek, the two Trekkers in here are just gonna die. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, you prefer the term Trekker to Trekkie? That's not. It good. sounds more proactive. <laughs> I'm okay with both names. I just like Trekker because it sounds more proactive. Yeah, I don't actually care one way or the other. I just find it funny mm. that there is actually an argument as to what is their actual term is for Star Trek fans. I think Trekkie is the more common one. It is now, but I know Trekker was the one that it started with. So. Mm. I mean, the, there's two documentaries about Star about Star Trek fandom called Trekkie, so it's hard yeah. to argue with that one. But anyway, yeah, uh, I actually did enjoy this episode. Granted, I was not as like like Nate. I wasn't a big fan of Voyager at the time, mm. and there was a lot of this stuff. Like, but Rutherford says they're going for the deep cuts. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, they are, because I'm gonna have to look some of this up because I don't know who the clown is or. I didn't know who the, the the Irish guy was either. And I was going, I don't remember these two guys. I remember Chaotica because how can you forget Chaotica? But <laughs> uh, I remembered I remembered the macro virus. I, I I love the fact that when the Borg nanite tries to assimilate the macro virus, it grows big. <laughs> it's like, you know, I hate that logic, but it makes sense. <laughs> True. 
especially considering that's the same logic that happened when the Danites tried to assimilate the Borg's the, the the doctor's mobile emitter from the 29th century and suddenly it was all future borg technology <laughs> which made no sense whatsoever uh, yeah, voyager, the, for voyager, you. voyager was wacky at points but it also had but it did have a handful of really good characters like, yeah like the doctor the yeah the holographic doctor i thought that was a great idea and i i I actually think Seven of Nine is a great character. It's not just because she looks good in the cat suit. <laughs> You're a fan of the Borg Barbie? Yes, Borg. because she's a really interesting character. And yes. it's not just she the was, cat suit. She was a lot more interesting than Kess was. Yeah, for sure. Which I did not realize until I was doing the research for this that the Kess's last episode and Seven of Nine's first episode where she's not completely Borgified was the same episode yep it's like you really were switching one character out for the other and did not hide it mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh yeah th- this was a voyager like i said was not my favorite show it's not one i ever wanted to go back and do a lot of rewatch though i do kind of want to go back and watch the two vix episode again now i'm a little curious about that i haven't seen that one in a long time yeah. I, I did find it interesting despite the fact it's been a long time the minute i saw the pink orchid i remembered oh yeah that's how that happened wow i didn't even think about that until prior to this especially since i'm watching this at 5 15 in the morning because mm-hmm. <laughs> i got up early because i didn't want to be because i had to uh, learn with this show not to be spoiled because mm-hmm. uh, the internet will not shut up about these shows mm-hmm. but yeah I, I this was a fun one uh you want to go ahead and talk about the next one yeah sure let's do it The next episode, I have no bones, yet I must flee. Ah. Was first also first aired on September 7th, 2023, directed by Megan Lloyd and written by Aaron Burdett. In this episode, Mariner tries to get demoted, Rutherford tries to get promoted, and Boimler makes a big move. Uh, the cast list is the same for both episodes. Uh, so going straight into the trivia. The title of this episode is comes from the hugo award-winning science fiction short story i have no mouth and i must scream by harlan ellison Mm -hmm. though i immediately upon seeing this title remembered the tos episode the earth is hollow and i have touched the sky yeah for the earth is hollow and no yeah for the earth is hollow and i have touched the sky yeah which is a very longest titles in star trek history yeah it is and i'm glad you you brought that up the and the the connection is also trek based because harlan ellison did write for city on the edge of forever yeah Yeah, he wrote the first draft the first draft yeah city on the edge of forever it got rewritten and he got yeah harlan ellison Jacob hates that, hates that episode. Yeah, famously was an incredibly talented writer who hated everybody and everything. Yeah. He was incredibly difficult to work with, but he was too talented to ignore. And he hated the revisions that were made to his mm-hmm. script. And he basically said, take my name off of it. And yet I think his name is still on it. I think it is, but some of the other ones he did, they had to make a pseudonym for him yeah. because he was, he got, he, yeah he well, famously got angry. admittedly it's been a long long time since i saw the the, the pre uh remaster version of, of city on the edge of forever and then on that one it may not but i think on the re-release they did put his his name on it so 
either way yeah he also started the 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 first revival of twilight zone in the 80s yes uh this is the second episode with the mysterious probe this time destroying a ship of romulans yes the cerritos crew mentions how humans frequently get trapped in menageries <laughs> In 2254, of course, Captain Christopher Pike was trapped on Talos 4 in the uh -huh. original series episode first in the and the first uh, pilot episode for all of Star Trek, The Cage, which mm -hmm. was recounted during Spock's court-martial in the original series episode two-parter, The Menagerie. Later in 2269, the crews of the USS Ariel and the USS Enterprise were trapped in a Lactrin Zoo in the animated series episode, The Eye of the Beholder which is now canon <laughs> while doing their exercises Shax and ransom are both wearing the same workout outfits that beverly crusher and deanna yeah. troy wore in the next generation episodes the price hmm. these outfits were previously also seemed by unnamed crew members in the season two episode wedge dutch yeah they they brought those back because that scene's gotten a bit memeified the last yeah. few years the device that Rutherford is tinkering with at the end of the episode is a miniature tractor beam, which was previously worked on by Wesley Crusher in the Next Generation episode, The Naked Now. Rutherford saying Livick every time Livick beats him might be a reference to Seinfeld saying Newman in Seinfeld. A show I never liked as a kid. I never watched it, so... The new Romulan ship we see at the beginning of the episode is based on one of Andrew Probert's early designs for the Romulan Warbird he did for TNG. Mm. The Romulan torture chair from the Next, Gener Next Generation episode The Mind's Eye is seen here with a Riemann in it from Star Trek Nemesis. Among Boimler's personal effects, we see his plaque for the Boimler effect from the episode Temporal Edict a mirror universe archer action figure based on archer from the uh, enterprise mm. episode in a mirror darkly yep. a movie era spock action figure a first contact data action figure the tom paris commemorative plate from the episode will always have tom paris a commemorative cerritos plate a stargazer model spock's visor from the original series episode is there in truth no beauty the captain freeman day banner and the Commander Una recruitment poster from the Strange New World episode, Those Old Scientists. Yes. Mm. In the Menagerie, we have we can see a City Alpha eel from Wrath of Khan, a normal, regular koala, just hanging around. <laughs> a furry unicorn dog from the original series episode, The Enemy Within, a random unicorn snake, an Aldebaran serpent that Q uh, pretended to be in Hide and Q, and of course moopsie <laughs> moopsie <laughs> one of the most reused sci-fi props in all of hollywood is here called being called the tucker tubes this prop was rentable by the company modern props which closed down in 2020 their description for the prop listed as a modern props designed and fabricated dual medical lab and control generator with rotating neon lights inside of an acrylic tube light controlled panel with knobs and buttons this was seen in you have a couple of those of course you do uh, of course it was first seen in uh wrath of khan 
and uh, the final frontier along with the next generation episodes data lore suddenly human and the quality of life the voyager episodes respect and inside man and the enterprise episode cold station 12 it also appeared in films such as austin powers airplane 2 the last starfighter the incredible hulk tv show the flash 96 tv show and many many others because it was everywhere but apparently if it's going to be anywhere anymore someone's going to have to make it again because that company went out of business so what are your thoughts on this episode nate i'm double checking uh, double checking something here <laughs> that's I'm, worrisome yeah i know i'm like Yes, I was like, did they name the tubes after Tucker from Enterprise? Yes, that's, that's who it's supposed to be named after. In this yeah, episode. instead of Jeffrey's tube, it's, it's the, the Tucker, Tucker tubes. It's the Tucker tubes because the Jeffrey's tubes were named after Matt Jeffries. Matt Jeffries, the, yeah, the original one of the designers designer on TOS. Yeah, so well, and TNG, he worked on both shows. Oh, TNG, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so anyway, so I was like, oh, we're calling back to Enterprise. That's an interesting because that was a running gag because they would change the names slightly. Yeah. After that. So this one, this is where we get a lot more of the character conflict. Oh, well, first, actually, I really want to talk about how just how darn funny that first scene was on the Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> that, I was like, okay, oh, like, okay, this is an great. Exaggeration of Romulan. Yeah, because I'm all, like, they're all just plotting against each other, trying to stab yes, each other hilarious. in the back, and they're like, ha ha. I was like, I'm going to betray you. No, I am going to betray you. I got here because I killed my first captain, and like, they just kept going back and forth. And there was that line about how. It's just, I was like, what was it? Oh, I wrote it down. Let me make sure I get it. It's like, you wouldn't know a scheme from a conspiracy. Because <laughs> they're like, I have a scheme. I am hatching a scheme. Now I am hatching a scheme. <laughs> I think the scheme and the conspiracy are both Star Trek episodes involving Romulans. <laughs> no, conspiracy was the weird bug. Oh, yes, things. that was the weird bugs. That was the technically the precursor to the Borg. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I mean, that was supposed to be the big thing, and then they said this doesn't work, guys, with these yeah, weird it space bugs it does, that have it never come work. back. So, yeah, so I just want to make say, another as one a, based a, off a, the Cybermen a, from Doctor Who. Right. I just want to say, as a one-off scene with these one-off characters, that made me chuckle quite a bit, just because they got it down. Like it was a very dead-on caricature. <laughs> How conniving they all are. Mm -hmm. But anyway, anyway, the main thing in this one is the character conflict. And I got, again, I have to give them credit. They're figuring out how to not just go for the jokes. They're making a meaningful story out of this. It's a ridiculous story, you know, because it's the opposite of what you would expect people to do. It's like, I don't want to be promoted. I don't want, I want you to demote me right now. That's sort of like, it's the complete opposite. And they use it to create conflict. And the one guy, who's the one guy who doesn't get promoted? That's Rutherford, and Rutherford. he's actually like the. I, they they say it in this episode how he's had to turn down promotions three or four times to stay with the group. Oh, that was mm -hmm. hilarious! But the thing is, yeah, I can see how he would have earned those promotions oh, as yeah. many times as he's been the one who saved the ship. Well, and then that was that was the joke there because all he had to do was ask for it. Yeah, because oh, he's already hilarious. done thing done things to be impressive, and then it's just like, oh, you want it? Here you go. You yeah. Know? 
you know, it, it, so that was funny because he's always trying to do these things like the the slightest of improvements because that's what engineers do. You got to do something impressive, yeah. you know. So well, I thought the, I saw that actually yeah. worked. I thought that was pretty funny. The thing about Rutherford, and I'm just telling you this because I know you hadn't seen the rest of it, is he's probably like the smartest member of the crew and he really should be farther along. But because of right. things that happened to him, we saw in season mm. three. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's kind of been stuck, but he likes where he is now. So, right. And Which it, probably my favorite character from. Oh, yeah. Lower Decks. He's I will admit uh, out of these two he, episodes, I think he's probably the most endearing yeah. out of all of them because yeah. he feels so authentic. Like you can tell that he's all about being as loyal to his friends as he can. Although I will admit the, the Orion girl had a really standout scene in this one mm -hmm. where she pulls rank. Yes. To, yeah. Oh, that was great. To tell well, us like, she, she I order Rutherford you right have, now to still be friends with me. And we're still going to hang out and talk about science. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I just did my first order. I'm like, okay, that, that was a yeah. good. It was Tindy funny, but it one was of, endearing. Tindy's been my favorite character since the show started. Yeah. And the fact that, she may have a darker past yeah, which is kind of funny <laughs> is hilarious right she is the mistress of the winter constellations <laughs> whatever that means uh, yeah whatever that means yeah uh, so you know and then the setup that they do where you know the the first like i said i mariner gets rightfully dressed down in this because mm -hmm. you would think again the the most obvious thing would be you are you're terrible we're not letting you get promoted but then what's the first officer's name again ransom 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 figures like no i see what you're doing you manipulate your first officers so that you can keep getting your way i'm not going to let you do that to me now obviously he's doing it because he's a borderline zat brannigan but at the same time he actually makes sense to me i was like you know what i could see why you would say no i'm not going to get pushed around by you Mm -hmm. I'm going to promote you whether you want to be promoted or not. And I'm not going to put up with your attempts at insubordination to get mm -hmm. demoted, which yeah. again, creates that, you know, that humorous reversal where you would think, no, he would actually have zero tolerance for this and just be done with it. Oh, no, because yeah. he's like, no, great... no, 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 no. I'm not letting you get away with this. As I see mm -hmm. what you're actually doing. And there's a great he... reverse of what normally happens. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like I said, he just dresses her down. He's like, no, you need to stop this. I'm not going to get pushed around by you. And, you know, tells her, he's like, Which you I need went, to stop yes. doing this. You're actually good at this. You need to stop refusing promotions. And I'm like, thank you. We, we, the characters like this need to get dressed down more often. Yeah, agree. Well, you kind of get the feeling when you go look at, when, when, when you look at how Mariner's been treated, like, throughout the rest of the show that up until this point she's just been shuffled around and no one's cared because oh she's the admiral's kid or she's the captain's kid and like we get ransom here it's like it doesn't matter who you are it's like you you are good at this job and you deserve the promotion and if even if no one else is going to believe in you i'm going to because i'm not and i'm not going to let you not believe in yourself right i think to some degree she doesn't believe in herself and that's mm -hmm. why she acts the way she does I would, right. I would agree with you and you say yes. Yeah. So I, I, I was grateful for that. Well, let's talk about the tiny elephant in the room. Moopsie. Moopsie. Yes. Okay. Uh, this I, is a I, little I bit learned, of a I, I have discovered what Moopsie translates into in English. 
is I have become death destroyer of worlds. <laughs> All right. This is becoming a little bit of a tired trope at this point. I don't care. It's like, this is like, we get it. The cute thing is the monster. Yes. Yes. I've seen this too many times now for me to take it seriously anymore. And it's a bone vampire. Yeah. It makes about as much sense as the salt vampire from the, from man trap. So yeah, except that makes a little bit more sense because salt is in humanoid bodies and it is vital for survival. Yeah, but so, like somehow drinking your bones out of your body—it's like I, I think I, I get it. It's more just for the humor of it, and I'm like, okay, if they say it, it wants the bone marrow, I can go along with that, you know. But eh, I don't know how it drinks your bones, but it, like I said, it's just meant to be funny. Yeah. So okay, but again, it's the the tiny cute thing is really the monster. Yeah, whatever, guys. So the moopsie was the part of the episode that I was the least impressed by because it, like I said, it's a tired trope at this point. I don't know. It caught me off guard. This yes, moopsie. And it, it granted, it's going all the way back to you know the killer rabbit from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, yes. right? And that's literally what I was thinking of the whole time. But I was watching and going, okay, this is funny to watch. It's like this cute little thing is chasing them and they're running scared for their lives. I find this hilarious and I can't stop laughing. It's a good plot device. I will say that the concept I'm, I'm pretty nonplussed with because it's just, it's just not that interesting because I've seen it so many times now, but in terms, but in the context of the story of this episode, Moopsie works. I admittedly was half expecting by the end of this for Ensign Gary to get his bones drank I was expecting so much he had so much red shirt energy yes i was expecting him to be the one who released the thing i, was I, I, Mar- I thought mariner had done it. honestly for a, for a bit i was thinking mariner did it but then even before they started blaming her i was thinking mariner can does well as doing some stupid stuff and would do some stupid stuff to try to get demoted like that but she's not the kind of person to release moopsie yeah, I, I even I, as someone who didn't necessarily like Mariner, the in the crossover, and you know I've heard some a lot of complaints about Mariner in the past, and watching these two episodes, even I didn't think now she wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's not she her would never. She she might be one of the worst officers in Starfleet, but even she wouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, she's better than that. She's yeah. She, I I could see Boimler doing it by accident. Far faster than her doing because it because he's inco- because the joke with him is he's incompetent. Yeah, right, that's true. But oh, well, he's well-meaning but incompetent. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Bo- Mariner is Mariner subordinate. <laughs> yeah, Mariner's just insubordinate, but she's too good at actually being a good Starfleet officer to, to actually pull do that kind of mess. She's too much of a survivor. Right, so. right. Mm-hmm. But then the I did like the, the you know the little bit of a twist where it was the two humans who were there yeah, in the menagerie yeah, already because they wanted to stay. Yeah, because the, the way they were setting it up, and it was like, oh, it's probably the ensign, the new guy. Be like, he's be like, he's like oh, I'm, because well, he, he makes that little tirade about like how this and this and this and be like against humans. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's him. They turned around. Yeah, and it was like, well, oh, it's, it's the captured the, humans. 
because my thought process was he would release the thing so that he can look like the hero. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Well, that wouldn't be the first time something like that's happened on the show. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I give them credit. They surprised me a, a little bit with that. I've noticed a bit of a pattern with these two episodes, and I don't know if this is true of the entire show. And I will, they try, they're at least self-aware enough to kind of comment on it, which is they're clearly borrowing from stuff that's already been done before. Like right. the, for the previous episode in particular, they, they just flat out call it out. And so in this one, they're, franchise savvy enough to point out it's like oh yeah it's never humans in these things or whatever mm-hmm. you know and then it ends up being that's that. kind of mariner and boimler's thing is that they're both know enough starfleet history that they pretty much know the show mm-hmm. they've watched the show before basically mm-hmm. so they're very they're it's like it's like having characters who are actually genre savvy yeah yes and, and and at first, when I was first watching this, I thought that's going to get old quickly, that they already know all this stuff and yet still will somehow fall into the same problems mm-hmm. or not even knowing it's actually knowing what how these things go is, will actually help them. I kept thinking that's how this would go and it would get annoying after a while. But honestly, it started. It, I, I actually don't. It doesn't mess with me that much. So. I don't know. The, the, the writing has been very good on this show so far, yeah. in my opinion, but. I would say definitely with this this episode because, like you said, Nate, like Mariner does get dressed down. Be like, it's not be mm-hmm. like it's kind of just pushed to the side or whatever. She kind of gets away with it in some capacities. This one be like Ransom, just more like, no, I'm not let you do this. Be like, you are not going to do this anymore. Yeah, and it's just like, oh my gosh, because I th- I kept thinking when the yeah, crossover cause... happened, my thought that Pike was going to be one dressing her down. And she's going to do something in order to do something in order Which to I do this. I kept telling you that wasn't going to happen. But. Yeah. I think that, I think the strange new worlds characters were just more flabbergasted yeah. than anything yeah. else oh, with them. It's like, this is what the Federation looks like in, in 200 years <laughs> or however many years. Uh, I don't know. It's just, I, I've enjoyed this show and I love how the, the well, when you watch other like adult comedies like the simpsons or futurama or something like that mm-hmm. granted futurama actually does this too uh the family guy is really the one i'm thinking of that doesn't really do this is the fact that this show has character growth mm-hmm. and does. so many other shows do not they're just making fun of each other making fun of stuff and by the end of the episode everything's reversed and back the way normal mm-hmm. and this was like no they're actually still everything is in continuity and they're keeping it up together right. and they're actually the Mariner and Boimler Rutherford and Tendy that we had in episode one for a uh, second contact and the characters we have at the end of, uh, uh, I have no bones yet. I must flee are in, they're the same characters, but they've, they've grown so much yeah, from there. So well, done. And, cl- and even with all the, 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 uh, the, I like to, I hate to say the secondary characters cause they're the actual senior crew of the ship, but even those characters have all grown and I appreciate that. And that's kind of what I've loved about this show is yeah, it's a loving parody. It loves star Trek and it's, it's doing a good job of parodying it in universe, but it knows enough. It's like, okay, we can't be funny here. We've got to actually tell a serious bit here and we actually can have character growth. And we've had so much good of that so far. 
in this show, which surprises me to this day. I am still surprised that this show is not like Rick and Morty, like I was afraid it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I will admit, I guess I'm guessing we're kind of winding down here. Yeah. We've been going on for a little longer than I was expecting. I think I'm actually sold enough on the show that I think I will go back to season one and yeah. give it a watch. What should I expect going all the way back to, to that though? First season's going to be a little bit more joke heavy. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that warning. Uh, but as things are going forward, there uh different, uh, it, it, you're going to start seeing like different things. Cause I mean, season two and three is all during one year. So, I mean, there's not as much character growth. You'll understand why I was actually mad at the show as a Texan by the end oh, of season yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason the last episode is called the stars at night. And I was like, Oh, you just made us the bad guys. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Just, yeah, it's fun. just take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. It's going to be goofy, but enjoy Just enjoy what's there. Exactly. Well, I, I will say this. It, it, generally speaking, it's a trend with Star Trek shows. First season's rough, unless yeah. you're TOS. Where it, it, with TOS, TOS seasons, TOS is one of some of the best episodes. The best season, <laughs> yeah. But like TNG, season one's rough. DS9, a little rough because they're still trying to figure themselves yeah. out. Voyager, Voyager didn't know what they were doing. Voyager didn't know what they were doing, and yeah, and, and, and the first season of Enterprise, first two seasons of Enterprise were rough. Actually, I have gone back and watched uh, Enterprise, and that show's a lot better than I think I gave it credit for originally. But either way. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, we're just boring poor Jacob to death because he's oh, just like, yeah. who? Why? It's like, he's just like, Drew, why did you bring the other Star Trek nerd on here? <laughs> hey, in Jacob's defense, he actually enjoys the movies. He's watched all I the do. movies. I thoroughly enjoy the films. And I think the That's more I the more I've made him watch Star Trek, the more I think he's actually interested in watching the rest of it. Yep. It's a lot though. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. that, that is, that is the fair warning. 30, 30, 850 total stories. Well, how many years has it been? Like it's been we're coming up on we were on 57 today. Yeah, exactly. Or is it, yeah, 57 today. 57. As of this recording. Wow. That is yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, but you're still talking like, say, there's what? I mean, there's how many huge movies gap. now? There's about 12 movies. There's a dozen there's, movies. There's 13 movies. 13 movies, there yeah. Is... And then you have like, like okay, I try to do the math in my head. Just like, just with the pre-new stuff, you're looking at five TV about 28 shows. seasons of television? Pretty much. And to do it right, you have to watch like the last two seasons of TNG with the first two seasons of Deep Space Nine, and the last and the last five episodes seasons of Deep Space Nine with the first five seasons of Voyager, to do it right. <laughs> yeah, because that so was back when because that was back when they took spinoffs seriously. So whatever was the previous show, they would dovetail them into the new show. Yeah. So like Picard <laughs> is in the first episode of DS Nine, and when Voyager starts. They actually they're, start they're at the Nine. DS9 station and Quark makes a cameo. And yeah. you know, the only one they broke that from was Enterprise, but, but Enterprise is a prequel. Right. And you've seen First Context. So you already know the priestos and stuff yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah. So we don't it's, want to get it, into it's a whole... lot of st- it's a lot of stuff. You now when you get to the newer stuff, you have the advantage of shorter seasons. Mm-hmm. But yeah. 
but you're like, everything before the re the, the big reboots is like 24 episode seasons yeah but old, old television but good luck trying to get through some of the newer stuff original series season three yeah no 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 no. i'm talking about png like, season one no i'm talking about i'm talking i'm talking about oh you like, mean the reboot discovery stuff? discovery and... just skip to season two of discovery just so you can find out how anson mount's story went there <laughs> really just yeah. watch season two of discovery and then strange new worlds that's all you gotta watch of discovery <laughs> i have opinions <laughs> No, we all have opinions. I'm, I let's just say I'm not going to shed. I'm not shedding a tear that this is going to be Discovery's final season. Anyway, I'm guys, not, we need to go ahead and end it here. Yes. Uh, Nathan, you want to go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you? Oh my gosh, I got to do my shameless self promotion again. What? Yeah, because technically what? this is a separate what? episode. I know it is. You know, it's it's recorded on the same night, but whatever. Anyway, so yes, I am the host and curator of the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through Tokusatsu. If you enjoy hearing me wax analytical and academically about kaiju, definitely check that one out. And you get to listen to more of my intrepid producer who miraculously survived the infamous war in space, but won't tell me how. Actually, he tried to tell me how, and I gave up trying. <laughs> I blame the space ducks. Uh, the the space, space ducks. <laughs> I blame the space ducks. That needs to go on a t-shirt, and Jimmy would wear it proudly. Anyway, so yeah, definitely give that one. Uh, definitely give that one a listen. I am also the host of Henshin Men, a podcast about the appreciation of Japanese superheroes and our high-flying, high-kicking adventures. Drew has been a temporary co-host on there to help mm -hmm. me finish off the coverage of the original Kamen Rider. That one's a, tele uh, that one's a television podcast that's been mostly focused on Kamen Rider, but we've branched out and done a few other things. But if Henshin Men is a sprint, my other podcast, because yes, I have too many, the Power Trip, a journey through the Power Rangers franchise, that is a marathon. Drew has been on an episode that I have been assured will be out very, very soon. In fact, by the time this episode comes out, it might already be out. You came up for Geki So Sentai Car Ranger, yes, which infamously became Outrageous Power Turbo. Turbo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we don't talk about Turbo. No, we don't talk no, about whoa. Turbo. No, no. I got and appreciation I'm... for at least the second half of Turbo, but <laughs> and I am also one of the cast members for scyther inc productions which does fan produced audio dramas one of which was star trek i might add i haven't listened to that one yet but you know one of their earliest ones was a star trek show you can listen to that one on youtube but i play rito bandora or rito revolta whichever name you prefer who may or may not have been my roommate at one point or another you should know he called up when you guys were on the show once yeah i'm surprised <laughs> you let he you, you even uh, let him in the room uh, no, he called in on the phone, sir. That's I, right, he did. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm, no, uh, I mean, I, I'm surprised you let him be your roommate. Uh, yeah, I did. Well, sometimes, but then sacrifices I guess must be made. Time. Yeah, yeah, that too. But anyway, so I play him on Power Rangers Aero Drama, and then to my eternal shock, of all people, I also voice Deadpool, the Merc with a Mouth. <laughs> On X Men, the audio drama. Although so far, I've only been a post-credit gag. 
<laughs> but I've been told Deadpool will come back in a future season. I just don't know exactly when that's going to be. And then you, if you want to check, I'm an author. So if you want to check out my writings, go to NathanJSMarchand.com where you can learn about my books and see a blog that is in desperate need of being updated. And, you know, the podcast website is monsterislandphonevault.com. I'm also the editor for Kaiju Ramen Magazine, so check out kaijuramenmedia.com. I'm also one of their staff writers. Issue 10 is coming out soon with a holographic cover featuring artwork. I forget the artist's name, but he did a rendition of the original concept art version of King Ghidorah, who is not golden. He, is, he had a, a wild kind of rainbow color scheme. And it, uh, it's one of the best looking covers we've ever done. Uh, by I think by the time this episode is out, issue 10 should be published. So that will be exciting. I do a lot of stuff. So, you know, you can follow me on all the different socials for the podcast. And for myself, it, you know, just go to the websites to get links to everything. I think I've covered everything as quickly as I can because <laughs> we need to wrap things up. Yes. All right. We have anything else before we need to get out of here? Nope. So even though I saw what some of the names of the next one episodes are uh, on a post, I can't find that list anymore. Oh. So I can't tell you what the name of our next Lower Decks episode is, but guarantee you we will be recording an episode and reviewing it on that. Uh, so join us next time for that. Uh, in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And Nathan. And we'll catch you in the next And Jimmy. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot Jimmy. Shame on me. Anyway, put the right things over here. Be lit, I know you're talking, please. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. I try. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. gonna die <laughs> i'm keeping my bones <laughs> <laughs>